You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Amen. Please take your seats. It's my great pleasure to introduce our guest speaker today. It is Pastor Becky Nichols and Pastor uh, Becky and Mike uh, lead the church in Luton. And she has come to join us today. Do I need to say anything else or are you going to? I don't think so. That's all right fine. then. I think that's all right. Yeah. You can stay longer if you want. No, I'm going, you can help I'm going. if you want to. <laughs> Let's give Becky a warm welcome. Well, it's so good to be with you. Happy Christmas Eve. Why don't you just turn to someone and say, Happy Christmas Eve? Because it is Christmas Eve today. Can you believe it? My goodness me. Thank you. I've got my notes. Have I got any children that are in the church today? That is your moment. You can make some noise. I mean, you'll probably get shushed by your parents or guardian, but this is your moment in the meeting where you've got permission to make a lot of noise. So let's try that again. Have I got any young people, children in the service today? Come on, you can do better than that. I love it. I love it when we've got the youthfulness in church. We're so pleased you're here. And you know, I promise you, this is not the boring part of church, okay? Children, are you listening? This is where, you know what, I don't mind if you have a Bible or a tablet in your hand, but please do not fall asleep because God has got something he wants to say to you. And today, if it's all right, I could probably do with some help from some of you. Um, This service is online. Big hello to everybody that may be watching online. Hello to any children that may be watching online. This is a great day. And, um, you know, if you're happy for your children to be on camera, they can jump up and volunteer when I call for someone to come and help me, then then please do, because I do need the help. Um, But what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about a really important subject that is so um, good to talk about around Christmas time, but it's going to be really helpful as we move into the next uh, year. I can't believe it's here already, can you? Um, But this is also a topic that I sometimes... I, I hate to admit it, but I sometimes struggle with because it's kind of the topic that I think I, you learn when you're young and then you've got it. But actually, I still struggle with this today as a grown-up. And what I want to talk to you today about is these two words. And these two words are going to come up on the screen. And it's this. Thank you. I want to talk to you today about thankfulness. And uh, have, I got any, have I got any youth in the building? Anyone that's over 11 years old around here? Yes, you? Come, come here. I just need you to do a very important job for me. Can you flip this timer? This is, I thought it was going to be for the kids, but it's really for the adults as well. This is to make sure we don't go over time today because we want to go out and celebrate Christmas, you know, and do all the things. So when you go to your seat, if you flip that, and uh, when it's coming into land, you can stand up and start giving a holler, okay? And be like... Preacher, we're done. We're through. But it might come to land. Thank you very much. Okay. So something that we often are reminded of at Christmas time is that we have this great light of the world that came to earth. Have we got anyone here who is over the age of eight that wants to just run up and help me? Yes. I, you know what? You're a good yes. I thought it'd be you. Come on up. 
run on up. Mama's is okay because this does include um, fire. But I thought we'd just, because it is Christmas Eve, and any excuse for me to light candles. I like all of the atmosphere. But we're going to light these candles. Come on up. We've got these giant... <laughs> this is, Christmas starts here, doesn't it? We've got these ginormous safety candles, Mum, Dad, Kara. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to light these. Um, just for no other reason than, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, and I like candles. And I would like to preach with candles. is going to be nice, isn't it? And children, if that, well, there's only two candles. So for two children, if you um, really love these next few minutes, maybe you can come and blow the candles out at the end. I thought there'd be a bit more of a, ooh, that's exciting, but never mind. Are you ready? I'll light this. I'll put it into this one, and then you can light yours from this one, okay? Okay, ready? Oh, didn't expect it to break. That was not in the planning. Let's go again. Oh, and it broke again. <laughs> Do you want to try and... Yours might be stronger. Oh, there we go. Right, come on, then pop it in. Yeah, go for it. There you go. Can you get it? A bit more. There you go. I love the sound effects. Well done. See the right boy for this. Okay. Well done. Oh. <laughs> that was such a good practice. Well done. You know what we learned from this? Satan is not going to blow our light out. No, is he? So let's go again. Let's go again because you, you're going to go the distance. You're strong. You're keeping focused. We're not going to let this discourage us. We're going again. Right, let's go. Ready? Yeah. Should we? Yeah, blow them out of here. Yay! Thank you very much. What's your name? Josiah. Thank you so much. Big hand for Josiah. that Jesus was the light of the world but also something that I've often struggled to kind of work out in my head is when we refer to Jesus especially at Christmas time as Jesus being a gift and you know for me when I see a gift I, I see it like this and I see that transaction of being given a gift opening it and then saying thank you and then maybe I'll utilize that gift or it'll go away in the cupboard to be re-gifted to somebody else at another date but that's kind of what's in my head so when we're like the baby Jesus is a gift for us at Christmas time the savior of the world I'm kind of like well some of us you know children here what are we going to do with the baby for Christmas I'm not really sure but this is this is I want to show you a little bit what it looks like when we we're calling and referring Jesus to Jesus as a gift have I got um I've got a friend over there with a, a Rudolph yes she's ready come on up if, if you're okay come 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 she's come ready today very festive so I'm going to give you this gift do you think you can hold it it's very big. Now, when we talk about Jesus being a gift to our lives, it's just not any mere gift. It is an overwhelming, amazing, overflowing gift. I mean, when we talk about Jesus, let me tell you what came out of that manger. There was many gifts. There was, you know, we called him the wonderful counsellor. We also call him the, what do we call him? The what? The everlasting Father is the eternal peace. And what else? Our Redeemer. Oh, our Redeemer. There was many things that came out of the manger. The government would be on his shoulders. So someone that's going to run the world for us, take care of us, healer. They were, are you okay? You okay? You surrounded, getting swamped there with all the gifts. And it looks, this is just a mere little illustration, but it's not still containing all that there is to see 
when we refer to Jesus being a gift. But the gift of Jesus overwhelms and overflows in our life like this. It's amazing. See, we, we can never outgive God. There is plenty when we talk about God being a gift. It's amazing. It's like we're being showered and covered in so many gifts. And they're not always gifts that we can practically open, but this is a bit of a picture of it. Doesn't that look good? Yes. Thank you very much. Round of applause for our Rudolph princess. Well done. And for those in here, I just wanted that, you know, might be little and be thinking, what does it really look like? What does it mean when we say that Jesus is a gift? It just looks like this. It looks amazing. And all the days of your life, you can commit to unpacking and unwrapping all of the many gifts that God has sent you through that manger at that Christmas time. Amen. There is plenty. It won't ever run out. But, you know, when you think of the generosity of God in the gift that he gave us, it sometimes feels that a mere thank you isn't quite enough. See, how could we ever with our words tell God how much we appreciate all that he's done for us, how much he's given us? And sometimes I struggle with that. I'm like, God, there's no point in saying thank you because those words aren't even enough. But what I want to do today is I want to have a quick look at some of the ways that we can cultivate thankfulness inside of ourselves, how we can thank the Lord, how we can respond to the gift that has been given to us. So a couple of tips of how we can be thankful. And what I want to do is use a couple of the nativity characters to demonstrate different ways that we can cultivate thanksgiving. And um, if you know me or have heard me preach before, you know that I like alliteration. So I've made every point a P, or for younger children here, every point a P word, just so you can help remember. And you know, maybe if you're at Christmas dinner tomorrow with your peas, you can start reciting and remembering some of these pea tips that are going to help us to be more thankful as we move into 2024. And so the first person I want to talk about quickly, and he's not someone we always, you know, we think of with the nativity story, because he doesn't get put in the stable with all the other characters. But the first character that comes to mind for me is a guy called Zachariah. I love Zachariah. I could talk all day about his story because I think it's fascinating. But Zachariah was married to Elizabeth, and they're the power couple that just come before Mary and Joseph's story. And sometimes we forget about them, but they are so, so, there's so much drama that happens in their life. And they're such, they're such righteous people. They're people that remind me of like Keith Chan and Val that you saw up on that screen. He was talking about his prayer group. But Zachariah, there was this moment where an angel, the angel Gabriel, in fact, came to him and said, hey, before the angel Gabriel went to Mary and said she was going to have a baby, he went to Zachariah and was like, hey, you're old, your wife is old, but you're going to have a baby. To which Zachariah was like, what? How can that even happen? And uh, Gabriel was like, well, me, Gabriel, I said it, so it's going to happen. You're Zachariah. Now, Gabriel wasn't too chuffed with his response. So he said to him, you know what, we don't, I'm abbreviating, but he said to him, you know, we can't do with your negativity right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth. If you are um, a child in here, why don't you just try and put the tongue to the roof of your mouth like that right now? It was stuck like that. And he was like, it's going to be like that until your baby comes. And so what Zachariah reminds me of, he reminds me to be thankful with pausing. 
There was like this forced pause that came on Zachariah's life. In a moment where he was being quite negative with his words, it's like this moment of solitude and silence. He went to a season of just being very quiet and having to listen and watch what God was going to do. And sometimes we can say thank you without using our words. Sometimes we can show God that we appreciate him by just watching and Sometimes pausing is best when we don't really understand everything that God is doing. Sometimes when we're not sure about what, what, he's, what he's up to and how he's doing it and we're a bit confused, sometimes frustrated. Sometimes the best way that we can show our appreciation to him is just going, you know what, I'm just going to pause and let you be God. And so therefore, when the baby was born, the first thing that Zachariah did when his mouth was able to work again was praise and thank God for what he was doing. So first way we can cultivate thanks is by pausing. Just taking a pause now and then, not even having to speak. Second character is his wife, Elizabeth. She reminds me to be thankful through passion. Elizabeth, all her life, probably wanted a baby. And now miraculously in her older age, she has become pregnant and You can bet she was passionate about it. But this is what I love about Elizabeth's passion. She she didn't just have fleeting passion. She wasn't just passionate about what God was doing in her. She was also passionate just about what God was doing in other people. So, you know, Mary, young Mary, well, she comes along younger, didn't even have to do anything, didn't have to wait long before becoming pregnant. And she's not, you know, carrying like a baby like Elizabeth. She's carrying the Messiah. Now, if I was Elizabeth, saw Mary coming in, I'd be like, girl, stole my thunder. But she hasn't even had to wait. How is this happening? But that's not what Elizabeth did. See, Elizabeth, the praise and the thanksgiving was obviously so within her that she was just so passionate about what was God was doing. When she saw Mary, she was shouting like, hey, Mary, favoured woman, this is amazing. Look at you. She's like, look at your book. Mary's probably like, look at your book. Oh my goodness, look at what Jesus is doing. She was passionate for what God not only was doing in her life, but in the life of someone else. Sometimes it's really hard when we, you know, sometimes we feel insecure and we feel discouraged sometimes when we see God working in others. But actually, we have to be reminded if God's working, that's going to benefit me as well. And so appreciating and being overjoyed with passion with what God's put inside you to carry, but also what he's called other people in the body to carry is essential. And you know, things like comparison will rob you of your gratitude. This is why passion isn't just for yourself, but passion for what Jesus is doing is so important. So thank you, Elizabeth, for that example. Third character, we've got Joseph. Joseph. The, the word that came to mind was pilgrim. Pilgrimage is um, something that you go upon. It's like a journey you embark upon. It's sometimes long. It can sometimes be challenging. It can sometimes be to places that you're unfamiliar with. And um, it, it's just a journey, but it's a journey with a purpose. It's a journey for the Holy One. It's a journey for the Lord. And Joseph represents like all of us average Joes. Well, we think we're average. We're just going about normal life, just journeying, just journeying. But you know what? 
sometimes we can get resentful and we can feel like life is just mundane when we're journeying. But if actually you remember, you're not just on any old journey as a follower of Christ. You're on a pilgrimage. You're on a journey for the Lord. Yes, it might get bumpy. Yes, it might get long and repetitive at times. But you go to bed at night. You get up in the morning. Feet hit the ground. And you're being obedient again in the small things. You're a pilgrim. And when you think of your life, it's not just any old day, but a pilgrimage. You begin to get more thankful again about your journey and what you're going on. So Joseph, I wouldn't have gone to sleep if I was Joseph because it seemed like every time he went to sleep, an angel popped up and was like, Joseph, get up and move. You're going somewhere else. It was like, you're going to Bethlehem and then you're going to Egypt and then you're going to Galilee. And I was like, oh my goodness. But Joseph just kept pilgriming. I don't know how to say that word in the ink words, but pilgrimaging, I think that's right, pilgrimaging, kept traveling on for God, kept following on for Jesus. And so Joseph reminds us that we can cultivate um, a thankful heart by being reminded we're on a journey. And then when you're on a journey, you remember to take stock of how far God's brought you, of where God's brought you from. See, Joseph, he was traveling back to Bethlehem. Who wants to go back to their hometown, especially when they're not even making room for you? That might have been really uncomfortable and embarrassing. But he went on that journey. And sometimes even when God allows you to look at your past or calls you to go to a place that you once had been, he doesn't call you to look upon it with shame or embarrassment. But he goes, you know what? Look at your testimony. Look at how, God, how far I have brought you. You can stand tall on the journey that God has brought you on. You know, people that are not even followers of Jesus will do this exercise of taking stock, of looking at how far they've come, looking at what they have to be thankful for. They call it a gratitude list. But, you know, as followers of Christ, sometimes we forget to do those things. But taking stock of the journey and the pilgrimage we're on can be really helpful. Okay, Mary. Mary, I couldn't really decide on my puh point for Mary, so I went with two. Mary, for me, she reminds me to cultivate um, thanksgiving and gratitude through purity and pondering. So Mary, we just see her as this, you know, this young woman. She was like almost pure in heart. And it talks in the Bible about her pondering, storing up, treasuring up all these things about Jesus in her heart. Where people were really outspoken and flamboyant about what was going on, she would ponder upon things. It's almost like this is a bit different from Zachariah with being pausing and solitude. This is more like meditation about what, what is it that you're, you're thinking about in your heart? What is it that you're pondering on? So the Bible talks about, you know, thinking about things. Think about things that are pure, that are lovely, things that are going to help you and your heart stay pure. The Bible also said in the Nativity story that, you know, this whole situation was Jesus, Mary's heart was going to be pierced, talking about when Jesus took the cross. Her heart was going to be pierced. And sometimes in our lives, we get heartbroken. Our hearts get pierced. And I want to make sure as a follower of God that what spills out, even in the midst of pain and trouble, is still a heart that goes, Lord, I can still rejoice in you. Lord, I'm still going to be thanks and offer you praise because you're worth it. And so I think it helps us to cultivate thanksgiving when we ponder things in our heart. And in Matthew, it also says that blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Okay. So have you been like, what you can do is some of those characters, have you been giving out stickers? Okay, so when I've been calling out a character, Ace has been running around giving some of the kids the character sticker. Great job. You can also show people some of those little nativity scenes, but you carry on the sticker business. That's good. That's good. Well done. Just check in. All the kids all right? 
Okay, right, we're nearly there. Are you ready for a tiny bit more? More stickers? Yes, yes. Keep going. All right, put your hands up if you don't have a sticker. And Asa will come and give you a sticker that will correlate with the sermon that I'm preaching. We'll tag team in here very well. Okay, next. Next character, but not a character at the same time, is the innkeeper or the stable. Because it doesn't actually say innkeeper in the scriptures. It just, you know, indicates there was an innkeeper because it said there was no room at the guest house. There was no room at the inn. And... Um, This reminds me to cultivate thanksgiving by being prepared. Sometimes we give the innkeeper a hard time because, like, he wasn't prepared. He had no room at his inn. Didn't have anywhere good for Jesus to stay, to be born. But actually, I want to flip it a little bit. I think the innkeeper was prepared because he actually let Jesus in. He didn't turn him away, even though he didn't, you know, know he was coming, though he didn't have a, a, a glamorous room with the tea set out, the china, the good king-size bed. He didn't get embarrassed and shameful and send him away. And sometimes we do that in our lives. When there's areas in our life that we don't want Jesus to see, we shut up shop. We're like, no, God, you can't come here. No, I'm not really crazy, grateful about what's going on in my life right now, and I don't want you to see it. But, you know, sometimes we have just got to be prepared to let Jesus in even when we're unprepared. I'm going to say that again because that was very good. Sometimes we have got to be prepared to let Jesus in even when we're unprepared. Even if someone turns up, Jesus turns up at the house knocking, we've just had a row with your spouse or you've just shouted at the kids and you know what, it sounds very dysfunctional and there's like, I don't know, mess everywhere. It is not the time that you want Jesus to come knocking. But you know what, those are the most needed times that you need Jesus to come knocking. See, give Jesus your garage, give him the shed, give him what little thing that you have that you're embarrassed of and watch what he will do. Just see what he did with the stable. He made it famous. Jesus can handle it. So you be prepared to let him in. Be like, thanks God. I'm just so grateful that you're at the door and have that kind of heart and watch God breathe upon your life. And then you will start making even more room and more room. Because we need is a little bit of mustard seed faith. Was it? The seed of a mustard seed. Faith the size of a mustard seed. It's Christmas brain, isn't it? And he will do mounting moving for you. So just let him in. Okay. Next one, we have the kings. There were so many kings. Well, I don't actually know how many there were. There were a few kings in our nativity scene that I've got two points for this. And they both are presents and presents. Both of the meanings. We'll start with presents, as in the practical one. And um, the kings, they brought stuff, didn't they? They brought gifts. And sometimes we're like, that's the secular part of the story. Jesus isn't interested in that. Well, no, I think God can use the seen stuff. If he, he can use the unseen stuff. He can use the seen stuff too. That's why at our DARE conference, we get a team of women together and go, you know what? Go ask God. Run up to the conference. Go and ask God to put your eye on an item that you need to bring to the conference to put in another woman's hands. And the testimonies we've had of people going, it was just the right thing at the right time, or I had a dream about the person I was supposed to give this item to. God can use material things. Sometimes we abuse material stuff, but God can, that's why we Every week, unapologetically, we will take opportunity to give tithes and offerings because God can do stuff with practical things when we, we, we live that kind of way of generosity. Some people in here, you're gifted with just gift giving to people. And not just, you know, because it's nice and you like shopping, but sometimes God might prophetically give you a gift of knowing the right thing you need to put in someone's hand at the right time. And here's the thing about the, um, the free wise men. They brought gold, frankincense, and... 
well done. Mer. And for us, we think that's really impractical because what's the baby going to do with gold? But I love this. They didn't give him what he needed. They gave him what he was worth. And with Jesus, I don't want to just thank him when he's doing the things that I need. I just want to want Jesus because I want him. I don't need him to do much for me. But it's the same way, you know, with God, he doesn't want to just bless your life with things you need. He wants to just love you and bless you because he wants to. And that's how we can really cultivate um, thanksgiving and gratitude in our hearts. And then the other version of presents is this one. Um, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. So they, their first priority was they wanted to get to Jesus because they wanted to be in his presence so they could worship him. Don't underestimate the power of you just simply giving your presence to God to being in his presence the power of his presence. I'm going, God, I just want to be next to you. God, I just want to, you know, it's a sacrifice to go, you know what? I'm just going to have some time in the presence of God. I'm just going to gift and grace my presence back to the Lord as well. He gave up so much time for us. I think we can do it back. And what I love about the wise men is that they didn't go with a motive. That sometimes we go and we, we go to people's houses or we go and make certain friends because there's a motive sometimes. But with the wise men, they had no motive. So King Herod wanted to put a motive on them. He was like, you go find him and, yeah, and I'll come join you. And we know what his motive was. But, but the wise men, they had no motive. They just purely wanted to go and get before his feet. Amen? Amen. So we can... Show our thanksgiving to the Lord with both presence and presence. Okay, and then last we have the shepherds. And uh, how's my um, egg timer? She's lifting it. I can see we're ticking, we're sands dropping. Worship team, you can start to prepare to come back. But we've got the shepherds. And the shepherds remind me to cultivate gratitude with something called pious. Piousness. I had to Google that one. Does anyone know what pious means? Yes. I think she's just waving at me. <laughs> Do you know? I think she just wants to wave. But piousness, it kind of means like God-fearing. God-fearing, like a reverent, a holy reverence to the Lord. And the shepherds, it said that they were terrified that night that the angels turned up. And you know, God doesn't want you to be terrified of him so much so that you don't approach his throne boldly. But there is a healthy fear. There's a healthy reverence that we can have and cultivate in our life that just helps us to be so full of gratitude toward the Lord, so in awe of the Lord. And the shepherds, they didn't have a scary fear, or they might start with a scary fear, but it very quickly translated into a God-fearing piousness where they got urgently, wanted to get urgently to Jesus. And then after they saw him, they couldn't stop talking about him to other people. Being pious is not being someone that walks around with robes and is very religious. I think the true heart of being pious is walking around or running around full of the zeal and the fire of the Lord because you're just so thankful for Jesus. And then the last one, and the worship team are now going to join with me in this last point. But the last one is about the angels. Have I got a little angel there? Is there anyone who wants to look after our little angel that we've got? But the angels, they remind us to cultivate gratitude with praise. Praise. It's probably the one that we're most familiar with. Because every week we come to church and we will sing and we will praise the Lord. It's one of the first things we do when we get here. Why do we do that? 
Sometimes the thing that we do most often, we can become a little bit accustomed to, but our praises are powerful. Our praises, they stir up an overwhelming thanksgiving in our heart that maybe we didn't even know we had. When we praise here, whether we're in the deco, wherever you may be as a church, but when we praise every Sunday, and you join with my church in Luton when we praise every Sunday as well, and with thousands of other churches that come together to praise, could you just think what might be happening in the atmosphere? Could you just wonder what protection you're sealing over your town when you as a church come together and praise? There's something so powerful about praise, and yet it's so effortless at times. We can just put praise on or we can just praise God in our car. Maybe this year you want to up the ante on how much you praise. Because here's the thing about praises. They take our eyes off ourselves and the problems that might be in front of us. They lift up our head and they put our eyes straight back on Jesus. So even when we feel that we have nothing to be grateful for, We're reminded and lifted again that, Lord, we're just grateful. God, you don't even owe us anything. We're just grateful, so thankful for your son, Jesus. And why don't everyone in here, and children, this is the biggest challenge for you. I'm going to count to three. And after three, why don't we just shout at the top of our lungs. Maybe you want to stand if it helps elevate your voice a little bit. In fact, we will. We'll jump to our feet. And we're going to shout and proclaim the name. We're going to join with you now and stand. We're going to shout and proclaim, thank you, Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. Come on, thank you, Jesus. the scene children lean in and listen can you imagine the scene that night so we think it was beautiful white fluffy haloed angels and it might have been but the bible says the angel armies joined to worship that night an army from heaven stampeded heaven with their praises can you imagine for me the image of like soldier boy nutcrackers were what filled the sky going rapper pum pum with my drum this is what I have to bring glory glory to the king of kings there was a mighty praise that happened it wasn't just subtle it was strong and even when you have just the faintest of praise even when sometimes you can't even shout but you just say Jesus something can shift powerfully in the atmosphere. Amen. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are glorious, that you are the King of kings. You are a mighty, mighty gift that was sent to us. And Lord, we can't stop praising your name and we can't ever stop saying thank you. It won't just stop with our words, but Lord, with how we live our lives, we want to live with so much generous gratitude. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 